other side of midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everybody. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. I'm Frank Morano. Thanks for tuning in. I have been dealing just about all week with a major inconvenience. If you work or drive in Manhattan, you know exactly what I'm talking about. The U.N. General Assembly is causing all sorts of street closures, all sorts of additional traffic, especially in Midtown, especially on the east side. It's impossible to get around. It's crazy. And for what? What are we as New Yorkers getting from this? A week or so ago, I said that I thought they should look at Governor's Island as a potential relocation site for the U.N. Because I really fail to see how this is delivering for New Yorkers, at least when they have the General Assembly in town. Uh, Most weeks, it's just fine. But when the General Assembly is in town, you have all these world leaders giving their two cents on what's happening. It's just too much. It should be elsewhere. And, you know, something that either I didn't know or I had known and forgotten is something that I'm going to share with you. If you want to sound very intelligent this week at your office or around the house when the subject of the UN comes up, listen closely to what I'm about to tell you because you're going to impress your friends, at least the geeks that care about this stuff. Ready? The United Nations was once in Queens. Oh, yes. I did not make that up. For a few years, the United Nations headquarters were in Queens at Flushing Meadows Corona Park. Held at the New York City building, the newly established General Assembly used the space from 1946 to 1950. Four years, that's no joke. The Queen's Museum, which now occupies the space, calls it one of the proudest periods in the history of the building. Flushing Meadows Corona was being considered as the organization's future permanent headquarters. That was until the site of the UN's current facility in Manhattan was made available, with construction starting on the new building in 1949. A number of world leaders spent time in Queens, and both the decision to create UNICEF and the Palestine partition to create Israel took place in Queens. And I have to tell you, I don't want to I don't want to make things more difficult for the residents or the people that work in Queens. But wouldn't those of us that work in Manhattan be so much better off if the U.N. General Assembly was still in Queens? Again, I think Governor's Island is probably a more suitable home, but let's get them out of Midtown. This is just too much. For what? Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. Local Spotlight. Good morrow, everybody. This is The Other Side of Midnight on 77 WABC. It is no secret that the state of New Jersey is no stranger to corruption. And we've seen that play out in Ocean County. And the Ocean County Republican chairman, George Gilmore, who was recently pardoned by the president after being convicted of three counts of tax fraud, has made really an incredible comeback. We did a segment on the show a couple days ago about the greatest political comeback attempts in history and the greatest comeback attempts in general. George Gilmore has to be at the top of the list for New Jersey political comebacks. But when he was convicted, convicted on three tax counts in 2019. He didn't just face a year in prison, but also the prospect of losing public work amid millions in back taxes and debts. His law firm, which typically did well over $2 million in public business, folded. And then, as reported in Tuesday's edition of Politico, New Jersey, enter Frank 
Sedegi, an engineer and close ally of Gilmore, who ran and narrowly lost the contest to succeed Gilmore when he resigned the chairmanship in 2019. Months after Gilmore's conviction, Sedegi starts a new division of his engineering firm called Morgan Municipal Services. And Gilmore's wife, Joanne, whose work experience, according to LinkedIn, is as a legal assistant at her husband's former law firm, was one of its three founding members. That's according to state records. That's not the only project Joanne Gilmore's involved in. Last year, several publications reported that she's an owner of an LLC that's developing a large apartment building in Seaside Heights. Two of the other owners, Warren County GOP chair and likely future state senator Doug Steinhardt and Hunterdon County Commissioner Zach Rich. Now, Chairman Gilmore, who's once again now the chairman after the political comeback of the century, said there's nothing wrong with this arrangement and that it's being brought up as a political hit by his GOP rivals because he's back in the saddle as chair again. Now, he's right. There's nothing technically illegal about this. Whatever the reason, if you like to track the intersection between politics and public contracts, which seems as robust as ever in the state of New Jersey, this is certainly a situation worth paying attention to. You want to get rich? You want your spouse to get rich? Become the chair of a political party in New Jersey. Beam me up! To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. You probably don't know the name Abdul Rahman Kargbo. He's 63 years old, and he first registered to vote here in New York City in November of 2005, and he has been voting in city elections for the past 13 years. Here's the problem. He's not a citizen of this country and not entitled to vote in elections. He's a legal immigrant, he's a green card holder, and he may have been illegally voting for the past 13 years. He enrolled in 2005 in the Democratic Party and voted in nine general election and primary elections between 2008 and 2021. Now, here's what's interesting. The New York Post reported on this story over the weekend, and a copy of his original voter registration form obtained by the New York Post shows he clearly and honestly marked that he was not a U.S. citizen, yet they registered him to vote anyway. Now, the City Board of Elections, and in the interest of full disclosure, one of my closest friends is one of the top people at the City Board of Elections, so I don't want to sound like I'm casting aspersions on that agency at all. But the City Board of Elections, they say, okay, well, maybe he was registered to vote, but this is not our responsibility. They said that the responsibility for verifying voter information fell to the State Board of Elections. But the State Board of Elections shrugged off the mistake. They told the New York they told the New York Post that the problem is the lack of vetting laws. Quote from John Conklin, a spokesman for the State Board of Elections, there was no procedures in state election law in 2005 to verify citizenship, and that remains true today. We have no way to verify citizenship status. There's no publicly accessible database from the federal government for states to verify the citizenship of the voters. Now, this gentleman took it upon himself in July to write to the city board of elections and ask 
to be essentially unregistered. He moved to obliterate his voter registration in a letter to the city board of elections. That's what's so great about bureaucracy. You can have the city board of elections blame the state board of elections, the state board of elections blame the city board of elections and the federal government. But here's a guy who checked the box at the very top of the registration form, are you a citizen? He checked the box that said no. He answered it honestly, and they registered him to vote anyway and allowed him to vote in elections. This guy, after this New York Post story, is probably going to get deported. New York Post doesn't care. They just want the sensationalist headline uh, and his life be damned. Going forward, how about we have a new rule? I would have thought this was the old rule, that if you file a voter registration form, and you check the box that says you're not a citizen, that's it. You're not registered to vote. I don't know if that's a city problem. I don't know if that's a state problem. But that should be a pretty big red flag for every agency. Beam me up. To be continued. The Other Side of Midnight. 77 Local Spotlight. One more hour to go. Don't think of touching that radio dial. You know, I was on the fence about what we should talk about in this commentary. And I had about six or seven things on my list. Five of them are all negative. Me complaining about something. And they're all important issues. And they're issues that I think need a lot of attention. But I am just so tired. As I was driving in and sitting in all this UN-related traffic, I was scanning up and down the radio dial, AM stations, FM stations, satellite stations, and everyone is just complaining. Everybody's complaining. I'm back all good things. These are all things worthy of complaint. Well, at least many of them are. But I'm just so done with this constant barrage of negativity, I wanted to focus instead on something that was a little more upbeat and which gives New Yorkers cause to celebrate. And right now, if you're a New Yorker and you're a baseball fan, there are many reasons to celebrate. Last night, Aaron Judge hit his 60th home run, becoming the first New York Yankee in 61 years, the first American leaguer in 61 years to hit 60 home runs. It appears now almost a certitude that or a certainty that Aaron Judge will indeed break Roger Maris's single season record for home runs by an American leaguer. It's not inconceivable, although it is unlikely, that he could break Barry Bonds's single season home run record, but it's an exciting thing to watch and there's no allegation that he did it with steroids or anything like that. You know, last night after I talked to Ralph Nader, we spoke off the air for another few minutes, and uh, we talked about all sorts of things, including baseball. And he said, this is really exciting. It's really exciting that there's no taint, no scandal, and this is a great thing. I'm a Met fan, but I'm happy to see Aaron Judge do this. I'm rooting for him. And the Mets are not equally exciting, but almost. Uh, This Grand Slam victory, excuse me, this Grand Slam home run by Francisco Lindor helping catapult the Mets to victory last night against the Brewers in a come-from-behind victory. There is such an energy, there is such an excitement about baseball in New York, the likes of which we haven't seen in years. And I really do have a feeling that we could be headed to a Subway Series. I know there are some good teams out there. The Dodgers certainly are not to be taken lightly. There's a lot of great American League teams out there as well. How cool would it be to see a Subway Series in New York for the first time in 21 years. It's so exciting to me. New York would be 
the place, and I'm certainly rooting for that to happen. Usually I root against the Yankees. I am rooting for the Yankees to make the playoffs and take on the Mets. Beam me up! We'll see what happens. To be continued. If you own a vehicle with less than 200,000 miles and have an auto warranty about to expire or no warranty coverage at all, listen up. CarShield has a low-cost, month-to-month vehicle protection plan that covers more parts than ever. Visit carshield.com audio to find out how you could pay almost nothing for covered auto repairs. Drivers who activate this vehicle protection today will also receive free roadside assistance, free towing, and car rental options at no additional cost. Get your free quote today at carshield.com audio. That's carshield.com audio.